So the righteous servant of Surah Tikaf is the righteous servant of Isaiah, is the, the one who, who was crucified, is the one who met Moses, is the one who uh, comes back in the end times uh, as the Mahdi, and his name is Israel. Wow. So it, it all fits so perfectly. It's all making sense. My dear sister Tiffany. It's so good to have you back. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me here. So today we want to talk about a really important topic. And it is the topic of what is the name of the Mahdi? Okay. Okay. Um, if if the Mahdi is sent as a savior of mankind, then he is sent for all nations and all peoples. He is a global savior. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he's not just a person who is anticipated by the Muslims. All right. Yes. I know that the Christians and the Jews, they don't uh, believe in the Mahdi, mm -hmm. but the Muslims do. And if the Muslims are right, and if there is a Mahdi who was sent by God, and if he is going to establish a divine just state and he sent for all of the nations, you know, if he is this world savior, then this character of the world savior, he should have been prophesized already in the books of the prophets and the messengers. All yes. of the prophets and the messengers would have spoken about him. And in the hadith of the Ahl al-Bayt, in the hadith of Islam, all of the prophets and the messengers, they had been working to uh, come to this point where the Mahdi fulfills and kind of brings to fruition all of their efforts and all of their works. You know, and each and every one of them wished that they return with the Mahdi or wished that they would have lived in the time of the Mahdi. Yes. And a proof of that is a hadith which, um, which it says that Moses, he looked in the Torah. So this is a hadith from the Ahl al uh, and all their hadiths is basically, it goes back to the Prophet Muhammad And so the Prophet Muhammad narrates and says that um, the Moses, he looks into the Torah and he reads in there the description of the Qa'im or the Mahdi from the family of Muhammad. And he wishes and makes dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this position of this world savior be given to him. He wants to be uh, the cotton from the family of Muhammad. And God's response to him is that, no, verily that one is from the sons of Ahmed. Okay. This is how the hadith is. Imam al-Bakr from him is peace said, Moses, son of Imran, looked in the Torah and read what would be given to the Qaim of the family of Muhammad from ability and preference. So Moses said, My Lord, make me the Qaim of the family of Muhammad. And so it was said to him, That is from the sons of Ahmad. Interesting. And so what do we get from this? We get from this that the Mahdi is mentioned in the Torah. Yeah, he must be. Yeah. He must be, because the hadith says that Moses looked into the Torah after he got it, and he saw the description of the Mahdi. Yeah. Okay? That's interesting. It That's is very interesting. interesting. So now we have to 
with full yakin, find out who is this world savior, what is his name, and what is his description, and where in the Torah, and in the Gospels, and in the uh, Hadith of the Ahl Bayt or the Quran. Okay. Where is he in these three religions? And so, first off, we find that in Judaism, there's a book, and the book is uh, one of the books that's written by one of the Old Testament prophets, and he's one of the so-called major prophets. You have major prophets and you have minor prophets, and they're not major or minor because of uh, that they're better, but they're called major prophets or minor prophets because their books are smaller or bigger. Yes. The, the prophets that have small books are called minor prophets, and from them is Zechariah and Jonah and, and Haggai and, and yes. uh, other than them. And the major prophets include Jeremiah and Isaiah. Mm -hmm. And so we take the book of Isaiah. It's a very long book, and in it there's a lot of discussion about the messianic age and about the establishment of a divine just state and about the savior of mankind mm -hmm. yes um it, it's it's one of those books that both the jewish people and the christians refer to um when when understanding the messiah the christians obviously cite it as talking about jesus but the jewish people have a different interpretation yeah, so this book actually is the book that they have their major differences uh, upon because they differ. The Christians and the Jews, they differ over the identity of the Messiah. Yeah. Jews say he hasn't come yet. Christians say he has come. And so naturally, uh, the scriptures, because they reject Jesus as the Messiah and the Christians accept him, naturally, those scriptures that have to do with the Messiah, you're going to find that they have different interpretations on it and a different view on it. Yeah, wildly different. Yeah. And we find that a lot of Christians that uh, revert back to Judaism, they do so because they become convinced with the Jewish interpretation of Isaiah. And a, most of the, the Jews that become Christian, they become Christian because of the Christian interpretation of it. Yeah. So it's a very important chapter. Uh, let's uh, book. Let's jump in and 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 uh, talk a little bit about why it is the case. Okay. We'll start with let's Christianity. Yeah, okay. and let's go with the Christian uh, narrative. You tell us a little bit about how the book of Isaiah affects the Christian theology. Okay, um, from from the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, uh, the book of Isaiah is kind of at the heart of it because it's actually Isaiah that he reads when he goes into the temple. He takes the scroll of Isaiah and he reads a passage from the scroll of Isaiah where it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And this is how he's announcing to the people uh, who he is, that he's the Messiah. And he said that, um, that uh, today this is fulfilled in your presence. So uh, we can read the entire verse. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Yeah, so so it's it's seen as how he announces himself as the Messiah to the people. And then uh, throughout his ministry, he, he makes references to the book of Isaiah. It's seen as a book that is very much talking about him and his ministry. 
and particularly uh, his crucifixion. So uh, the the crucifixion of Jesus is is said to be referenced in particularly in Isaiah 53, which talks about a servant which is pierced uh, for the transgressions of the people. We can put the entire verse on the screen. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. This entire chapter is said to be speaking about Jesus and what happens in uh, the crucifixion, that he is pierced for the inequities of the people, that his blood is poured out for the forgiveness of many. This is what he said uh, the Messiah must do, and this is how the Messiah must die. So it, it seemed to be matching uh, what Jesus did and what Jesus said he was going to do and what's written in Isaiah. So this is really interesting. So now the Christians and the Jews, um, they are using the book of Isaiah to also prove what it is that the Messiah came to do and how he brings uh, you know, about this golden age or this salvation uh, of mankind. Yeah, that's true, because it's super different from what the, the Jewish people are expecting the Messiah to do. And it's almost like he brought this plot twist where actually the Messiah is not going to bring this messianic age, uh, or he brings the messianic age through his sacrifice of himself. That and he saves people. That's how he this, saves. Uh, this piercing that takes place. Exactly. And the book of Isaiah is extremely important because it kind of serves as the, the uh, proof that Christians have against Jews um, that their interpretation of Scripture is correct and that the identity that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is supposed to die. Mm -hmm. So it is the only Scripture that they have where they can kind of um, use to prove that it's okay that the Messiah dies and he's still the Messiah, as to where uh, for them it's impossible that the Messiah dies because he's supposed to bring about a divine justice. Right. This is one of the things that they use as a proof against Jesus, they say he can't have been the Messiah. So I, this is one of those books that's a point of debate where, yeah, they, they put it forth and say, yes, this is, this is actually what the Messiah was meant to do. Okay. So in summary, then, Christians, they find mentioning of Jesus in Isaiah. Uh, Jesus quotes a different chapter mm -hmm. in the 60s, 61, of uh, some, some verses from there. Mm -hmm. And he says that it's fulfilled. And for that reason, they consider that the whole book of Isaiah is talking about uh, Jesus for the most part. Yes. And so when we go back to earlier chapters in the 50s, um, he, you know, there's clearly this description of the suffering servant and uh, this piercing that takes place, and they interpret it to be the events of the crucifixion, and therefore they prove that Jesus brings about salvation to the nations through his blood. Yes, yeah. 
Okay. And the Jews then, they argue uh, very, very, very harshly so against this interpretation. And they say that, that Jesus was playing with the verses. They say that you can't read verses out of context. And they blame Paul for using the ignorance of the Gentiles that didn't even speak Hebrew, um, you know, to, to sell this off. They say that none of the Jews that could speak Hebrew... Uh, converted to Christianity, that most of the followers of Christianity had to come from the Gentiles that spoke Greek because they didn't have access to these books. So it was easy that uh, Paul uh, sell them this uh, interpretation of scripture because now they're reading it out of context. And they say that to prove Christians wrong, the only thing that you have to do is to read the rest of the book of Isaiah, what comes before and what comes after these particular verses uh, that uh, the Christians use so that you can find out that it's actually not talking about Jesus. And uh, they say that the proof of that is in the verses that proceed um, in the chapters of the 40s in Isaiah, in which God and the scriptures explicitly point out that the suffering servant that is being referenced to in the 50s of Isaiah, in the in the 40s of Isaiah, in many verses, and we're going to go ahead and put on the screen now a collage of the different verses that you can see right now. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend. But now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. He who made you formed you in the womb, and who will help you? Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant. He said to me, You are my servant Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. And so you see on the screen clearly that the servant that is being mentioned here is not Jesus, but rather it's Jacob, Israel, or Jacob and the chosen servant, Israel. Mm -hmm. And so they say, this is not talking about an individual, even though uh, the language is in the singular at times, but rather it is talking about Uh, the nation of Israel. It is the nation of Israel that is the suffering servant because of, and they have to bear the injustices of the nations. Mm -hmm. And and this happened throughout history, you know, at the hands of the Babylonians, at the hands of the Romans, at the hands of the, of, uh, of the Germans and Hitler, Mm -hmm. that it's because of their suffering that uh, the non-Jewish people's hearts become inclined to towards the God of Israel, and it is their suffering that brings about the establishment of a supreme state of Israel that brings justice to all of the nations, and, and it is the nation of Israel and the suffering of its people as a collective whole that, um, you know, uh, basically saves mankind, and uh, that's meant by the uh, the, per- the piercing and the suffering. Okay. Yes, it's an, an extremely different interpretation than yeah. what Christianity uh, teaches, what the Christians believe about these verses. And even though they believe that these verses are also talking about the Messianic age, mm-hmm. uh, but they say that it cannot be Jesus because these verses, if you just read them, yeah. you know, it's not just saying that he's, it doesn't even say that he saves the nations by his blood. It just says that this individual is 
is, uh, you know, or, or that the servant is pierced, that he's killed. But it says that it also, it also, the servant also uh, manages to see his offspring. Yes. And that he manages to, to, to rule the other nations. Yes. And these are things that Jesus didn't do. Yeah. And it also states in this verse, as you can see, that the suffering servant saves the nations through his knowledge and yeah. not through his blood. Yes, exactly. That, that is true. Um, if, you, if you continue reading, uh, if the Christians continue reading, they run into these problematic verses where it says that his days are prolonged and that he sees his offspring and that he saves people through his knowledge. So these are, these are, these are not emphasized verses in Isaiah uh, that the Christians don't really have an explanation for. All right, so now uh, we can put the the two of them on the board. Uh, let's let's hang them, uh, you know, on the detective board side by side. The Jewish interpretation of I Isaiah and the Christian interpretation of Isaiah. Mm -hmm. Let's see what the similarities are, and let's see what the differences are. Now we have the people of the book, the Christians and the Jews, agreeing that uh, when we're talking about the Messiah, when we're talking about you know the Savior of mankind, uh, when we're talking about the story of a find just state that is taking place in the book of Isaiah. Mm -hmm. They agree on that. Yes. Okay. And uh, they disagree on the identity of uh, the suffering servant. Mm -hmm. One yeah. believes that it's Israel because God says it's Israel. Yes. Clearly. Yeah, he does. And the others say, no, well, I mean, it's a reference to somebody being pierced and, 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 and it is pretty intense verses that actually kind of really go along with what happened in the incident of the crucifixion. And many Jews are really convinced by this. And, and the Christians say, hey, look, you know, just because certain books or chapters of the book are talking about a people as a whole, it doesn't mean that the whole thing is talking about people as a whole. And, uh, you know, maybe that was talking about Israel and this is talking about uh, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, they both have valid points, really, when you they look do. at it. Um, I mean, there's definitely an argument to be made for both sides. Yeah. So it's one of those interesting books because it, what is the resolution? Well, Christians also say that, like, look, we can also I can, we can play the same game and if we look at the verses too, you know, and argue back against you, uh, Jewish people, you'll find that like these verses also don't apply to you because it says that the suffering servant is innocent. He mm -hmm. didn't commit any injustices. He was infallible yeah. and, and he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't spill any blood. And yet this happened to him. Yes. But you guys spill all kinds of blood. You Absolutely. guys have known by your own admission that you guys spilt the blood of the prophets and the messengers and you rejected them. Not just the Messiah, even your own prophets and messengers in your own books uh, like Zechariah and other than them, you guys killed them. Yeah. And we have in our gospels that you also killed John the Baptist. Yeah. And you also killed on top of that your own Messiah, Jesus. And it was because of your killing of the prophets and the messengers and your idolatry and your sins and your, your, your murder of the Messiah that was sent to you that you guys were exiled by the Babylonians, exiled by the Romans. And, and uh, you know, this punishment has come down upon you and your suffering is not blameless uh, like it's saying here about the righteous servant, but you guys are fully to blame. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a very fair argument. It absolutely doesn't fit, like these particular verses really don't fit with the concept of the suffering servant being the nation of Israel. Yeah. 
Okay, so uh, now we have these two on the board. Uh, maybe if we bring Islam into the picture, we can we can uh, you know uh, get a larger view or a clearer view of of what it is that they're talking about. And and if we bring Muslims and the the Islamic view into it. Um, the Muslims, as we've proven by the Hadith, they believe that the mentioning of the Savior of mankind is in the Torah, uh, and that all of the nations are awaiting uh, the Mahdi, who's come to fill up the whole earth with justice and equity. And when you put what what the Christians are saying, and you pose it to the Muslims, they would disagree that Isaiah was talking about Jesus Christ because they don't believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. Right. So how could it possibly be speaking about be. the crucifixion? It of course not. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't. So they're automatically going to disagree with with Christians that Isaiah 53, the suffering servant, is Jesus Christ because he wasn't crucified. He didn't suffer. And they don't have the same concept of salvation, uh, the understanding that Christians have of the crucifixion bringing about this salvation that the Christians have. So no, altogether it doesn't all. fit. Yeah. So they don't believe that he could have saved the nations by the blood or by the act of the uh, crucifixion, that everybody's responsible for their own sins and, and for their own deeds like the Jews do. So then, you know, they're, they're like, okay, well, that's not the interpretation of it. So let's look what the Jews are saying. And the Muslims look at what the Jews are saying. And then uh, if the Jews are saying that they're going to survive and, to, and they're going to be the ones that are upon the truth, and they're the ones that are going to establish a divine mm -hmm. just state, mm -hmm. and that they were blameless and that they are the ones who suffered because of the injustices of other nations. Well, then they say, okay, well, what about us? Well, we're Arabs, we're Muslims around the world. We were at war with Israel for a long time. So this means that we are on the injustice uh, part. We, we totally can't accept that yeah. either. And so they, they reject also this notion or this interpretation that the suffering servant is... Israel. Yeah, and in, in this case, it would also be Israel who would bring about the divine just state, and uh, and that also doesn't really fit with the the Muslim uh, narrative of how things yes. will go. Yeah. And so the Muslims they do a little bit of what the Christians uh, do as well. And that is that they kind of, uh, you know, because they have this belief in this idea that the uh, Torah and the Gospels were corrupted. So they take particular verses or certain sections. And so they talk about the era of the establishment of the divine just state, some of these verses from Isaiah. And they say that this is talking about the Mahdi. He is the one whom comes and he brings peace and, and, and prosperity. And here, let's look at some of the verses which speak about uh, the golden era uh, from Isaiah. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the 
ici. And so all these verses, they consider them to be speaking about the Mahdi of Islam. Yeah. But the Jews are not accepting what the Christians are saying, and the Christians are not accepting what the Muslims are saying, and the Muslims are not accepting what the Christians are saying, and, and now it's become a one big mess that they're not in agreement upon, but the only thing that they are in agreement upon is that Isaiah is a prophet, mm -hmm. and Isaiah was talking about in his books the divine just state and that promised savior of mankind. Yes, yeah. Uh, but all of them are failing to to take a look at all of the verses because nobody has this explanation of what all of the verses are actually talking about. I, I've seen that there's a lot of picking and choosing going on from all three. Okay. Yeah, there is a lot of picking and choosing. But if we uh, brought the three of them together, I think a clear picture uh, emerges. And uh, the true interpretation uh, of the identity of the savior of mankind is preserved in these books if we come together and assume that the three books uh, have in it the truth and that we don't pick and choose. If we accept all of them in their entirety and we weave them together, uh, what happens? What happens is that we have that God has identified the savior of mankind as having a name. Mm -hmm. And that name is Israel. Yeah, that's Israel. undeniable. It's, uh, it's done. Yeah. Israel is the name of the savior of mankind. Yeah. And if we accept that the savior of mankind was crucified because we accept these verses that the Christians take to be uh, talking about the event of the crucifixion, then now we have Israel being crucified and suffering on the cross. And if we accept the Muslim narrative that it wasn't Jesus who was crucified because he asked God to remove this cup from him and God accepts all of the prayers of Jesus and that Jesus didn't have to suffer, and uh, if people go back and they rewatch the episodes that we did about the crucifixion of Jesus and the episode about uh, who is Israel, uh, this episode would make a lot more sense for them. So anybody that's confused, we, we ask them to go back and watch those. But So if this angel that came down or this uh, person came down and took the body of Jesus that was crucified on the cross. Now we have the name of that angel who came down and was crucified in his place, uh, that individual. And that individual's name is Israel. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So Israel is the lookalike who ransomed himself in the place of Jesus, was crucified uh, because of the inequities of the people. And that would make sense because the angel was blameless yes. and he just took the body. Yes. He was not the whole nation that's committing sins. Yeah. And all people are sinful. Yeah. So there's nobody except an angel from above or a Hajjah prophet or messenger that could have been crucified and, and been blameless without sin. Yeah. And yet, because of this, God causes him to come back in the future. To prolong his days. To prolong his days and to see his offspring in a time which is his time, where he is born in that time. And he lives his life and establishes divine just state. And so now we know that the identity of the Mahdi 
is the one who is crucified in the place of Jesus, just like the Prophet Muhammad made dua that the lookalike of Jesus come from the lineage of the Imams from the Ahl Bayt. It was narrated that the Prince of the Believers, Ali ibn Abi Talib, peace be upon him, said to Hutaifa ibn al-Yaman, O ibn al-Yaman, the Prophet, peace be upon him and his family, spit in my mouth and ran his hand over my chest and said, And make the lookalike of Jesus, peace be upon him, from his lineage. The Savior of mankind is this man, he is this righteous servant. From the lineage. Who, who, who not only was the lookalike, but he was also the righteous servant that's mentioned in Surah Al-Kahf, who, yes. who encounters Moses. Yes, and it does. It says righteous servant. It says that particular phrase in Isaiah. So, of course. Uh, so, the righteous servant of Surah Al-Kahf is the righteous servant of Isaiah, <laughs> is the, the one who, who was crucified, is the one who met Moses, is the one who... Uh, comes back in the end times uh, as the Mahdi, and his name is Israel. Wow. So it, it all fits so perfectly. It's all making sense. And nobody has ever been able to make sense of how how the, the suffering servant could be Israel, but it could also be an individual, and it could also be the one who was pierced for the transgressions, and yet his days would be prolonged, and he would save his offspring, and he would save by his knowledge. So now it's all making sense. And that's yeah. what the righteous servant in Surah Al-Kahf was famous for, was displaying his knowledge yes, that Moses exactly. couldn't handle because he thought he was the most knowledgeable. Exactly. And God said, well, then go find one of our righteous servants. And, and he goes and he encounters uh, this this person. And if we look at the name of Israel in, in Arabic, the Arabic equivalent of it, because the Mahdi is, is, is also supposed to be, uh, you know, a Muslim who has a Muslim name. Yeah. And, and uh, even though Israel really is a Muslim name, and we've we've clarified this, but it's also one of the names of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu which we also clarified. Yes, exactly. And in this verse of the Quran here, you see as God is mentioning the names of the prophets that are chosen for him, he says, and Abraham and Israel. These are the prophets upon whom Allah bestowed his favor from the seed of Adam and from the seed of those whom we carried in the ark with Noah and from the seed of Abraham and Israel. And so Israel is the name of a prophet. It's an Islamic name. It's in the Quran. It's preserved. It's okay that he comes with that name Israel. But even if he wasn't going to come with the name Israel, it would be okay that he came with the same name of Israel, but in its Arabic form. And the Arabic form of Israel, all Arabs know, is Abdullah. Yes. And we know that one of the names of the Prophet Muhammad was Israel, because he said, I am Israel and I'm Ahmed and I'm Abdullah. These are my names and I'm Mahmoud and I'm Mustafa. So Abdullah becomes now the name of the awaited Mahdi and the name of the suffering servant, whom in Isaiah it literally says Abdi, the, the servant, yes. my servant of God. And the righteous servant, the suffering servant, is the Mahdi who establishes a divine just state. So now by putting together Judaism, Christianity, Islam, and their understanding of the verses, and their outlook on what happened, because, because we have the Jews. In the beginning, they understand that it's Israel. Yes. It's Israel as a nation. Yeah. 
But Jesus came yeah. and Jesus corrected that understanding. That's why the prophets are sent. Yeah. That when the people start to understand things and hold on to it, they always misinterpret and misunderstand things and needs a living messenger in every time. Yeah. So if we assume that Jesus is from God and he came and he corrects it, then he corrects it to say, okay, it's not really about Israel. It's about an individual, and it's about the individual who was on the cross. Mm -hmm. And Jesus never in the New Testament says that he is that person on the cross no. in Isaiah. He never says that. No, he doesn't. And so then what happens? Then uh, people assume in the time of Jesus that it was him that was on the cross because yeah. they physically see him being crucified. Yeah. But if we accept his son that comes and verifies the prophets and messengers, then we'll, we have to except also the narrative that Muhammad comes and he verifies some of the Gnostic scriptures yeah. that state that actually it wasn't Jesus. See, even some of the companions of Jesus said that, that they saw him and that he said that it wasn't him that was crucified. And it's actually these scriptures that, that have in it the truth. And, and somebody else was crucified in Jesus's place. Yeah. Then we, if we accept that, and we accept Muhammad as a prophet, and we accept his correction of the misinterpretation that took place, then where, where are we left? We're left in a position where it's clear that the Savior of mankind, his name is Israel, but it's an individual, and it's the same individual that was on the cross that got crucified, and he is the suffering servant, and his name is Abdullah, yeah. Abdi, and he is his name means Israel, and he is Israel, and he's this king from the lineage of David, but at the same same time, he is a successor from the family of Muhammad Ali Muslim. My head is spinning. I, I, I just think it's amazing that actually everything makes sense now. Everything, all of these things fit together. Uh, it, it just all makes sense. Abdullah is the servant of God, is Israel, and he is the servant uh, who bore the iniquities, and he is the one who was pierced, and, and he is Israel, just as the Jewish people believe that, the, that these verses are speaking about Israel. Everyone had a piece of the puzzle correct, but nobody understood the whole picture. And it, until this knowledge which you've brought forth, and it, it's absolutely amazing. And then now it makes sense too, because in, in the book of Revelation, uh, you will have this savior figure, he's coming, um, and he is Israel. So Israel comes back and he brings back and gathers the lost tribes of Israel, the sons of Israel. And so as Imam Ahmed Hassan has said, he said, Abdullah is Israel and all of those that are around him are the Bani Israel. They are the children of Israel. Israel. The true children of Israel. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Thank you so much for having me. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam.